Welcome to another Solid Rock Church podcast by Bishop Larry Ragland, Senior Pastor of Solid Rock Church. For more information and content, please visit solidrockchurch.com. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and you have a blessed day. I'm going to get into this today because my intention is to get you out here a little bit early so you can go home and... uh, I don't get it. I don't get why they don't believe me, Don. I don't get it. I mean, did I just say something funny? I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand. No, that is my intention. Good intentions. Yeah, you don't have to say about it. <laughs> Praise God. Listen, today's the day after Christmas. Did y'all know that? You know, today after, the day after Christmas, um, you know, is around the world, you know, if, if you're in part of what they call the... Um, uh, what's it called? Commonwealth countries uh, that were either a part of the British Empire or still connected to the British Empire. They celebrate the day after Christmas, something called Boxing Day. Canada does it, Britain, uh, London, all those other places do it. Uh, all around the world, that was part of that. But that's just Boxing Day is just represents a Christmas box. It's just a shopping day is all it is. Uh, so for the for the for the most part and even if you include that it, it doesn't celebrate the birth of Jesus Christmas was yesterday and the whole world today really when it comes to Christmas and it comes to Jesus Christ they're not even talking about Jesus anymore they have moved on now the nativity scenes are probably still up at their house they ain't took them down yet some of them took them down on Christmas morning I know people get up on Christmas morning they open up presents they take down their Christmas because they're ready for it to be over with but The nativity scenes are still up. The Christmas trees are still up in a lot of places. The Christmas decorations are on the poles. But people done moved on. Today is not a day of celebration. Yesterday we celebrated the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now we're thinking about New Year's. Folks, they're talking about number Jesus. Now they're talking about how how they're going to party. Just a few days. They done moved on to a party. Amen. They don't forgot that when Jesus was born, there was a next day. There was a day after he was born. And while the shepherds went back to the fields, the animals went back out in the field. Mary and Joseph had a life to live. They had to take care of a baby that was one day old. I want you to wrap your head around what I'm about to say. Jesus, the Son of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, of which the Word of God says became the Word of God, was God, is God, became flesh and dwelt among us. He spoke everything into existence. Nothing exists that does not exist, that does not stand upon, sit upon, And as the foundation of Jesus Christ was a baby that was pooping himself, crying, needed somebody to change his diaper, needed somebody to feed him because he, that's why it's called a strange way to save the world. He chose to come just like us. We cannot wrap our minds around that. But while we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and then we just go on about our lives, we forget that Mary and Joseph didn't get to just go on about their life. 
They had the responsibility of raising and carrying and nurturing the Messiah that would forgive, would give the opportunity for every human being that is ever born to be forgiven of their sins and to be able to go to heaven by, because of the life of their baby. That could not talk, that could not feed himself. You understand what I mean by could? Chose to not be able to. Jesus could do anything he wants to do, but he, that makes it even more powerful, even more loving that he chose to make sure that he was an actual baby that, that acted, operated, and carried out life as a baby like me and you. That blows my mind. I want you to get this picture in your mind. I'm going to be as fast as I can. Many people who visited churches last week and in certain Sundays in, in, in December to see their children, their grandchildren, their nieces, their nephews. I don't mean this to be mean. And I'm thankful that they were there. And I'm not trying to beat you up. But we will not see them again until Easter. Or next Christmas. But I want to I encourage you. I'm not trying to beat you up. But if that's you... You're watching online and you chose, are you, this, somehow this gets back to you. I'm not trying to beat you up. But let me tell you something. I appreciate that you came to see your children. I appreciate that you came to see your grandbabies and your nieces and your, and your nephews. But I'm going to tell you something. You didn't come for them. You came for you. You came to enjoy seeing them. If you came for them, You'd be back the next Sunday and the next Sunday and the next Sunday. Because if you really want to make an impact and let your grandchildren and your babies know that they matter, they need to see you in the house of God every time the doors are open. That's what they'll remember. They won't remember that you came. They appreciate it. But they need to see you in the house of God. Now you can get mad. Why are you beating up people? Aren't you thankful that they were there? Of course I am. Of course I am. But somebody needs to just shake you up and let you know that your children need you more than that. What if Mary and Joseph just made it to the birth and then said, he's the Messiah, he's got this thing. Mary and Joseph realized the Messiah is, is the Messiah. The, the, the Messiah. My, this child is the King of Kings. This child is the promised fulfillment of the prophets. That's what everybody else calls him. And we call him that too. But ultimately, we call him our baby. And while everybody else is waiting for him to come on the scene, he needs me. Your children need you. While everyone else has moved on, our mission continues. The mission of Jesus had only begun at that point. The whole world had prophesied that moment. Angels declared that moment. Stars were formed because of that moment. But if we're not careful we will miss that the moment that everything was building towards was not the end. 
It was not a finish line. It was the beginning of Jesus changing the world. Listen to Luke chapter 2, I mean chapter 2 verse 20. It says, then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen and was told them. How about this? How about at the very minimum, we should, we should mimic the shepherds. Because when they left, they didn't just leave. They left praising God. They left glorifying God of all the things that they have heard. And they left talking to others about that baby. Not that they saw a baby, but that an angel told them to go see that baby because that wasn't just a baby. But Mary and Joseph had to get back to Jerusalem. Y'all remember where they were at, right? When he was born, he was born in Bethlehem. But the culture and the law said that to every Jewish family that had a son... On the eighth day, they were to bring that baby before the priest in the temple to be circumcised. That was a part of the Jewish law. That was a sign of the blood covenant that, that uh, God made with Abraham. So the Bible says, the angels, watch this. I want you to follow this because this is, this is where we end the story of Christmas. When we read Luke chapter 2, we end it right here. We end it on verse 20. We read all about Mary was, was ready to give birth. We read all about all that. And we end it. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told them. End of the Christmas story. But it's not the end of the Christmas story. Because the very next verse, verse 21, very next verse. And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was to be called Jesus. The name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now when those days of our purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer of sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. I want you to understand, while the shepherds go back to the field, Mary and Joseph starts gathering turtle doves and pigeons. Fine. I mean, while, while, are y'all hearing me? For, for the Messiah, the one that was going to save them from their, from their sins. Mary, did you know? She knew. She didn't know all the stuff that he was going to do when he walked on water. But she knew that when she kissed her little baby, she was kissing the face of God. She knew that. Just so you know, spoiler alert. Because <laughs> she had heard that from God. She knew the Messiah was God incarnate. God is with us. But yet, knowing all of that, they couldn't reveal it yet because one time they revealed it. But they understood that if, this, if our baby is going to be accepted as a young man, as a young boy, as at growing up to the time that he will become and present himself to be the Messiah, we, have to, we understand that he has to be seen in our community as, as following his own law. 
So, so here you have these two, this man and this woman that, that had, you know, a few months ago, had uh, less, little, little less than a year ago, had had visions from angels, from God, describing what was going to happen. And here they are now. There's no more fanfare. There's, there's no more uh, angels singing around them. There's nothing. It's just a man and a woman gathering together, turtle doves and pigeons, to get ready to go to this and have, the, have them sacrificed on an altar, looking at their son who is the son of God knowing that he's about to be circumcised that just blows my mind during those eight days they're getting ready to take the son of God so as they get there the next verse 25 behold there was a man in Jerusalem watch that I love this story nobody ever preaches about Simeon whose name was Simeon this is right at the door of the temple and this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And he had been, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Wow. Christ means the Messiah, the Lord's Messiah, the Lord's chosen one, his anointed one. So he's standing there. He's an old man. He's about to die. But he's holding on to a word from God that says, before you die, you will see the Messiah. Verse 27. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him in his arms and blessed God. Watch this. You're carrying your kid in there and some old man grabs your baby. But see, here's the thing you got to understand. This Simeon had been standing at the door of the temple most of his life. This wasn't some old man that just stranger man grabbed the baby. They let that baby go because it was common knowledge to Joseph and Mary and everyone that lived in Jerusalem and ever traveled to Jerusalem. This old crazy man, they probably called him, he's telling everybody, that he's got to stand here until he's able to hold the Messiah and then he can die. And let me tell you something, they already knew all that they knew. But as they're walking up, here's that crazy man that everybody judged. But he reaches, he don't reach out and grab anybody else's baby. But he reaches out and grabs that baby. And when he does, it's further confirmation to Joseph. My God, all my life I've heard this old man say that one day he will see the Messiah. And now he's holding my baby. Come on, y'all hearing me. He took him in his arms and blessed God and said, verse 29, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples. A light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Watch verse 33. My God. You understand understand what that word marveled means? It means in awe. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. I don't care how much you know, but when you start seeing your miracle happen before you, it will still blow your mind. I'm talking about you prayed it, you declared it, you wrote a book about it, you put it in your diary, you put it in your journal, you told everybody in the world it's going to happen. You had no eye, you had no doubt whatsoever it's going to happen, and then it happens, and you're like, good God Almighty, you really did it. Oh my Lord, I'm really holding my miracle. I'm preaching better than you shout. 
Watch this, I gotta hurry, I gotta hurry. Then Simeon blessed him and said to Mary, his mother, how about this word? Behold this child. Oh, you all excited, you all excited. Oh, you gonna give my baby a word. Here's your word. Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. At the moment, just moments before we will be circumcised and publicly named Jesus, God speaks through the prophet that would see the Messiah and says to Mary, Mary, your son will divide nations. And one day something's going to happen to your son. Even though you know who he is, it will feel like a sword has gone straight through your heart. So before he was even circumcised, God was preparing her for the cross. So they leave that and they're still processing that. They got a few more steps to get in the temple. And here comes verse 36. Now there was one Anna, a prophetess. A what? I didn't know there was such a thing. A prophetess? A woman? Are you thankful you in a church that believes in women preachers? Anna? A prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with her husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow for about 84 years. Who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fasting and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Israel, in Jerusalem. So you got a man prophet, you got a woman prophet, they're both declaring, oh my God, this, this child is the one we've all waited for. Now, verse 39. So they performed all the things according to the law. What's this? No fanfare. No fanfare. No holiday celebrating eight days after his birth. But for the first time in, the, in all of eternity, God, his blood had already been prepared in heaven, but God shed blood. Y'all ain't hearing me. See, Jesus, John the Baptist, I told you last week, was the last Old Testament prophet. Because the New Testament doesn't begin until the death of the testator. But Jesus shed his blood in the Old Testament and shed his blood to begin the New Testament. He began, he was not even known as Jesus until blood was shed. Oh, y'all getting this? Because you can't be circumcised without blood. Are you hearing me? Now watch this, but no fanfare. What is his name? His name shall be Jesus. Ah! Some of y'all think Jesus, the baby Jesus went. <clears throat> yeah, whatever. Is that all you got? Seriously. No. He had nerve endings. We know that he did because he hurt when he was beaten. 
He had intestines. He had, he had, he had thirst because he said he was thirsty. He ate. He had everything that we have. So at age eight, I mean, excuse me, eight days, he hurt. So he probably cried. Now watch this, watch this. You got to get this. I'm, I'm closing. So when they performed all these things according to the Lord, went in there and did their thing, after hearing both those prophets go in there and do their thing, they returned to Galilee, to their own city of Nazareth, and started to raise Jesus. Because the next part of that, verse 40, and the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. I, I want us to try to wrap our heads around this one statement. Leave that scripture up there. And the child grew. First of all, you got to understand that means the child crawled. There was a time the child. Notice the, notice the difference about, about that word child. That when anybody else writes the word child in a sentence like that, what's the difference? It's capitalized, right? So it's not, so a child. So the child grew. That means that there was a time when the child rolled over. And Mary's like, oh my God, y'all come back and they just rolled over. There was a time the child crawled. There was a time the child Took his first steps. Blows my mind. I cannot comprehend this. That's because he's God and I'm not. But there was a time that the child, they walk in there one day and he's got him a spoon and he's feeding himself. Now, look, you got to understand something. If you could go into the spirit of that child, it would look nothing like the child. Because the spirit man that was in the child is God. That's why the whole world cannot comprehend our, if you want to call it, religion. Because they can't fathom their God that they've created and made up in their mind ever becoming one of us. Ours is the only one. Therefore, it's the only way. That's what Jesus is trying to say. Because you've got to understand, the reason he says, I am the way, the truth and the life is because he came the way he said we have to come. We messed up. He gave us dominion. We messed up. But he said if I'm going to give them dominion back, I've got to do something that nobody else can even make up in their mind that God would ever do. I've got to become one of them and I've got to show them how to live the life sinless. So how about this? You have hundreds of prophecies. You have thousands of years of people talking about a moment that was coming. The moment comes. Everything they said it would be, it was. And then nothing. When they walked out and went back to Galilee, Nazareth, which Nazareth was basically a slum, a ghetto. That's why they said, has anything good ever come out of Nazareth? It's considered to be the place of the lowest of the low. And here's the Messiah being raised there. From age 8 to age 12, 
we have nothing. There is no scripture. There is no record of his life. But from age eight, eight days old, eight days old to age 12, years old, there was a family teaching. Put that scripture back up because I want you to see something. The child grew. Watch the next part of that scripture. And became strong in spirit. That's not talking about strong in the Holy Spirit. Strong in determination. Spirit. That word is like, that kid's got spirit. That's what you mean. Became strong in spirit. His mindset, his personality. Filled with wisdom. How was he not already filled with wisdom? Well, of course he is the spirit man. But the mind had to learn. Who taught him? Who taught him? And the grace of God was upon him. You talk about, you're talking about royalty. Mary and Joseph are royalty. They are not God. Neither one of them. But you're talking about royalty. You're talking about why I do believe there's a special place up there in heaven for them. Because they were the ones that watched him grow. Protected him. Filled him with wisdom. You know they had to be intimidated going, we both know who he is. And we're trying to teach him himself. Because how many knows he's the word? He knows the law. He wrote the law, and they're teaching the law the law. And the next time we hear anything about him is when I like to call it a uh, home alone moment for Mary and Joseph. They're, they're, they're walking. They just left, and they're just, they're doing, they're, you know, I forgot something, baby. I forgot something. Y'all seen Home Alone. You just watched it, okay? They're like, they're like, did you bring enough turtle doves? Yes, I brought enough turtle doves. Did you bring the drink offering? Of course I brought the drink offering. Did you, did you have an opportunity to tell so-and-so by? Yes, we had a good time. Yeah, that's it. That's okay. Did you do it? No, no, no. Okay. Well, I just, I just got this feeling. They both look at each other and they're like, by the way, I thought Jesus was with you. And they're like, Joseph's like, I thought he was with you. And then Mary goes, the camera zooms in. They're like, we left him alone in the temple. He's temple alone. They, they ran back to the temple scared to death. Why were they scared to death? Because they were his mama and daddy. And even though he was the Messiah to the word, he was still their baby. And he was only 12. They're running, Jesus, are you okay, baby? He turns around and says, I'm good, Mom, what's up? And he says, didn't you know I'd be about my father's business? And that, was, that was God's way of reminding them, you're doing a good job, but let's don't forget who I am. And then, once again, nothing. Eight days old. Nothing until 12, one story. After that story, the last word you hear is, did you know I'd be about my father's business? Nothing from those words 
to him coming down a mountain and seeing his cousin in the River Jordan. Let me tell you the influence that mama had in his life. And you can break this down any way you want to and you can go down a rabbit hole. But we all know the first miracle he performed, right? Was the, as at the marriage supper of, of Cana, the, the, the marriage dinner at the wedding at Cana. He run out of wine, he turns water into wine. Remember, you know the story, right? But we preach that. We miss one of the most powerful parts of it. So they ran out of wine. Mary says, Jesus, you better do something about this. And go back and read your Bible. Jesus looks at his mama and says, Mama, I hear what you're saying, but you and I both know it ain't my time yet. And this is a gospel according to Larry. Larry's unauthorized translation, but this is how it went down. And this is very scripturally based, if you want. It's just Larry's translation of what it actually says in your Bible. She's like, boy, don't you embarrass me. I'm still your mama. Now, I know who you are, but I'm your mama. Now, I'm going to tell you something right now. We, we ain't going to be an embarrassment, so take care of this wedding. And Jesus does it. Come on, y'all hear me. You want to know the power of a mama. Jesus said, it ain't my time yet. And next thing you know, he'd be like, bring the brats, fill them full of water. <laughs> okay, mama, it's on you. Okay, it's on you. I don't know if I was completely, if it was completely time, but looks like it's time. He went on and he did what he was supposed to do. I want to tell you something. It was during those hidden years Jesus did not only grow strong. The Bible says one part of the scripture says he grew in the favor of God and in the favor of men. He was a well-loved boy. By that time, people done forgot about all the circumstances of how Mary became pregnant. And he was just a boy in their eyes. Son of a carpenter. Remember that when they said, who is this talking to us like it's all this authority? Ain't that Joseph's boy? That's in your scripture. He ain't nobody. It's just Joseph's boy. He tried to talk like he's some, like, some kind of authority. He's just a carpenter boy. By that time, that's all he was. But in the eyes of the religious elite, the God had been in the natural molding. We have a God that was faithful. Of a boy that was faithful. Of a young man that was faithful. And at age 30, he became, he revealed himself to be the Messiah. I want to close by saying this. There are the quiet times and the secret times. There is no fanfare in your life. All you're doing is getting up in the morning every day, going to work, working for your family, providing, cutting your grass when you come home, washing dishes. Just everyday, mundane, repetitious no fanfare life. Nobody even knows I exist. Some of you are living in loneliness, depression, loss, financial struggle. 
looks like nobody's watching. But God is very faithful. The Bible says he wants you to be faithful. For if you are faithful in a few things, he'll make you rule over much. See, it's the old saying is this. I taught my children this. Integrity and true leadership and true influence and integrity is who you are when no one's looking. It's easy to be a big Christian here. He was patting you on the back telling you how awesome you are. What about when you're washing dishes? Picking up toys for the tenth time in the same day. But God is watching. When the world don't expect it, there will be a suddenly moment where God will say to you, you've been faithful. You may not think it's your time, but I say it. It is time for you to be set out for a blessing, for a miracle, for a favor. I'm not going to read all the scriptures and you don't have to worry about putting it up there, but I'll just read the fourth verse of this scripture I was going to read in Matthew chapter 6. It says, your charitable deeds may be in secret, but your father who sees in secret will himself Reward you openly. Maybe the big time preachers don't know who you are. Maybe even the church leaders in your own church don't even know the call of God that's on your life. Why not me? Why have I not got a shot? Why, God, have you not opened the door? Why am I still opening the doors of the foyer? Why am I still parking cars? Why am I still working the nursery? Why am I still working children's ministry? Why am I still running a camera and, and Justin Sounder firing words up on the screen? Don't they know what you've called me to do? Well, can I tell you something? There's freedom when you finally get to the point where you start worrying less about whether they know it and more about reminding yourself that God knows it. Let me tell you something. God honors faithfulness. He, amen. Come on. Give the Lord a praise. He honors faithfulness. He doesn't honor pride and loftiness. And you're full of yourself. God, tell the whole world. But now listen. Don't, don't think for a moment that I don't mean that it's not God's will. If he's called you to do something, he's called you to do it. That's think about when I think about the mundane and I think about why is it taking so long, God? It hit me this week when I was looking over this message. I've been in ministry the same amount of time as Jesus was being raised by his mama and daddy and then by mama by herself before he began his ministry. She had to wait 30 years to see the promise of the angel. This ain't nothing. This has only just begun. Think of what God did in three and a half years of ministry. Jesus. John said if the whole if he was to write everything that he did, the whole world could not contain the books. Now we understand what that means. That means it's just undescribable what he did in three and a half years. Now I know he's God. 
I know he's God. I know he's God. But let's don't forget what we've talked about all day today. He was also man. So the things that he did in those three and a half years, he did them as man who happened to be God, not as God who happened to be man. He's our example. But Mary and Joseph is our example too. And I've said it before and I'm done. I never look at the nativity scene the same way again. I look at Joseph. And I know it's, part of it's because I'm a father. I look at Joseph and I say, Joseph, you are an incredible man. You had no physical ties to him. Not only did you step up and become his dad like, every, like he was from your own loins, but you were raising a son teaching a son a craft and scriptures that you knew he was the one that invented and created but it didn't stop you and intimidate you be faithful and I'm going to tell you something one of the greatest ministries you'll ever experience in your life is the ministry and the calling to be a mom or a dad and sometimes that's in the natural Sometimes that's in the spiritual. Sometimes you may not ever have natural children. That may be by choice. That may be by struggle. And it's disappointing. But God has still called you to be a mama. He still called you to be a daddy. Because in this church, just in this room right now, there are young people and even grown people who don't have a mama and a daddy that need somebody to speak in their life. Will you be willing to be that? That's what we're called to be. So the day after Christmas should always remind us of the job that lays ahead of us. The Great Commission. The shepherds went talking, preaching and telling. But Joseph and Mary went about raising, protecting, caring, and doing what God had called them to do. Y'all receive that? All right, let's give the Lord a praise. It's a Christmas miracle. It's 1122. I was shooting for 1115. I still call that a miracle. I still call it a miracle, y'all. Praise the Lord. I hope you have a, had the greatest Christmas ever, and I hope you will come back for New Year's Eve to be a part and usher in a brand new year in the presence of God. If we don't get to see you, we'll see you back next Sunday. To all my men, don't forget about Tuesday and Wednesday. Come with some work clothes on. God bless you. Have a great day.